you weren't there. We made out. It was intense and passionate. Gave me his sweatshirt. Yes, I noticed. They probably noticed in space. And FYI, you look completely insane wearing it. Look, I don't know what Buddy's doing with you or what you think he's doing with you. But you need to move on. You want to talk. All you care about is some scuffle that happened 20 years ago. You lean on that crutch and you lean on excuses. And you and I both know you use this whole thing as an excuse to do absolutely nothing with your life. Scuffle. You don't know shit about what happened to me. Okay, those jocks you used to blow during lunch, they shattered my legs, bashed in my brains, mangled my cock so that I have to piss and come sideways for the rest of my life. Then they left me for dead. You know, things aren't too great down south. I can barely get off by myself, you know, let alone with, with another person. You know, what's done is done. Can't keep dwelling on the past, Matt. Are you fucking kidding? Are you talking about dwelling in the past? Here you are, back in Mercury, like a loser, trying to score with a happily married man. But he's not happy, okay? So just stop saying that. You're hardly the authority on happiness, Sylvia. You know what, Matt? It really is a shame that you're like this, because you know what? If you had a good personality, none of this other stuff would bother people. You know, why don't you use my crutch again as a metaphor? That was brilliant, all right? That was masterful. Or, oh, no, um, save it for your little teenage stories, all right? Because God knows you don't know shit about being an adult. It's the Cinema 9 Podcast, a film about movies, film, and such. That's Travis, that's Eric, I'm Michael, and our special guest today is a guy named Brian. He's been on the show before, but this is his second go-around on the Cinema 9 Podcast. Cinema 9 Pod at ProtonMail.com. Please welcome in the legend himself, Brian Madison. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Hey. It's good to be back. How do you feel? Second time, uh, you know, go-around here. 
Uh, first of all, I'm honored to get the invitation to be back, and uh, can't wait to dive into uh, this week's pick. And uh, I am very curious to see what you guys thought about uh, young adults. So, um, just happy to be here, guys. Yeah, we haven't heard from you since. Who could forget? <laughs> yes, that brought us so much joy. <laughs> Blue dress. Yeah, well, uh, we'll get to young adult. That'll be the main event of the show. Does it hold up or not? That's what we do on every episode. If you're new to the show, welcome in. Uh, We also have done things that are beneficial beyond just the show itself. We have a Patreon, which is now live, and you can find that by the the show notes. The Patreon is live. We went live last week. We just did our second recorded, not up yet, but our second 10-minute topic, which was Travis's original idea, which is a fun idea where rotates between the three of us, and we have no idea what the topic is. We just show up, and for 10 minutes, we talk about it. You talk about 10 minutes about anything. Like, who who picks the topics? Take turns. Take turns? Uh, Round robin. I'm definitely getting on that Patreon, for sure. (laughs) All right. Oh, boy. Patreon. You know. Pa- I mean, we should give it to you for free. Our, you're our old friend. So, but uh, we'd love our non friends too to join up on the Patreon. And you can find that in the show notes. I got the link here. I could put it in the live stream as well, which I will do momentarily. But just take a chance. If you want to get more involved with the show, we're going to be doing those 10 minute topics. We'll also have movie reviews that we need to post. There's going to be a lot of ancillary bonus material that is movie related and non movie related, right, Travis? So it's going to be fun. I go so far as to say that if you're on page you know, if you're a patron you are our friend we'll be on discord <laughs> and everything we're talking with each other you know you can look at our faces as we talk about more stuff get on board check out our okay. faces that's well said nice job <laughs> You said it better than I could. Uh, I will let you know that you can also email the show anytime you want. I already mentioned that. And a five-star rating and review. Still welcome, even if you are a patron. If you've never reviewed the show. We've had many reviews recently over the last six to eight weeks that we would really like to say thank you for. There's some really kind ones. Thumbs up, two thumbs up, as Ebes would say. So we thank you very much for those reviews. Very kind of you all. Truly appreciated, yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, we had a whole uh, a glutton, a glut of glut. reviews that came in recently. A glut. Yeah. Yeah. A glut. Yeah. Uh, gluttony, glut, uh, mutton. Hey, hey, Brian, have you ever had mutton? <laughs> I have never had mutton in my life. At least knowingly, anyway. I could have I could have eaten mutton. I had no effing idea that I just ate mutton. But, you know. An MLT when the Wait, mutton is nice and lean. Have you, guys, have you guys eaten mutton? Uh, have you eaten mutton? I have no clue what it is. Can't say I've had mutton. <laughs> kind of meat. Is that some sort like of eating Chester A. Arthur's face? <laughs> <laughs> Except for nice MLT, mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean. Oh, you had that ready. The tomato is ripe. Wow. So you know, as soon as you said it, I'm like, I have that one. I can <laughs> use that King one. Drops, so Gobi's King of the Drops for sure. Uh, it takes. Oh shit! Speaking oh, of drops, Brian, run away! <laughs> run away! Run away! Come back, Brian! Oh, here he Drop comes! He's he is. back, hey, Brian. Back. You back? No, oh, what the fuck? All right, hey, what's up? <laughs> oh, hey, good. Okay, mutton talk. So, yeah, I ran away. So, Brian, since you were, <laughs> I ran away from the mutton jet. <laughs> oh my god! So, Brian, since you were last on the show, uh, anything you'd like to update us on, movie-wise? Do you feel like the film industry is in a good place today, or any overall commentaries on oh. film? Listen, uh, I don't know. 
I don't know if you guys went to go see uh, a little movie called uh, Top Gun Maverick yet, but uh, yeah, movies are just fine. I think this is going to see Top Gun in the theater. It was almost a religious experience. It was almost like a this is what movie theaters are made for. You have your art house cinemas playing like independent film and all that type of stuff, and I love that. Regardless how you feel about Top Gun, it is like a propagandistic military orgy of a film. Uh, but it is definitely every bit of a summer blockbuster, for sure. So the state of film, and, and by that I mean going to theaters and actually going to see a movie, is just fine. So, hmm. yep. All right. Wow. The hyperbole well is rich with this movie, I swear. I mean, it's to everyone I've talked to. It, it yanked off my head and replaced it with a better head. That's what this movie did for Travis, me. Travis, <laughs> listen. Right, so I went, I went to Imagine, right, here in Celine. And uh, the Emax, like it's, it's. They say it's an IMAX. It's like an Emax, like uh, it's not really an IMAX, like theater screen, right? But they call it Emax. So every time I've gone to this screen, it's screen eight at Imagine in Celine. Shout out to Imagine Celine. Um, the sound has always been like a little low, right? But it's like a, they have great, like you know, you, you know, they have a bar, they have you know, food delivered to you. So you know, girlfriend likes to go there, so we go there. They, I don't know how Tom Cruise did it. But he got Imagine Celine to crank up that sound. Like I don't know if he like sent out the letters, all the theaters. Seriously, I was like blown back by the sound. It was, I, I swear to God, Tom Cruise did it somehow. I'm I'm, I'm telling you. So, but like wow. it was, the sound design was intense to say the least. Did you did any of you that guys is... see it yet? Uh, I believe Eric saw, it, but he's muted, so he's not able. Oh, to he did. Us. Yeah, you saw I'll, it. Eric? I'll be getting. I'll be getting into this experience when we do quarantine viewing picks. It's one hell of an experience. Oh, yeah. okay, it's, okay. How's yeah. that new head? It is an <laughs> it's even better. <laughs> new head is even better. <laughs> it's true. Uh, well, before we get into quarantine viewing picks, uh, we have a little segment lined up for you. Last week yeah. we had uh, who was that? Movie maniacs was asking yeah. us. What did he ask us, Travis? He asked us what our top three favorite directors were he just kind of dropped it on us we're like we need some time to think about that and we're ready yeah Yeah, we've come back and i i had to really think about it but i've got three i'm ready to talk about you guys i can't wait i can't wait for this all right this is tough this is very tough but uh this is really this is easy (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm guessing stanley Uh, cooper's gonna be there all right Uh, Travis, why don't you lead us off? We'll go from three to one, of course. All right. And again, he asks us for our favorite directors, not who we think the best directors are, which I do think there's a difference because there are people who acknowledge that their their technical mastery of, say, of Danny Villeneuve uh, doesn't, you know, he's not my favorite, but I think he's one of the best working. And of course, there's other directors like Jordan Peele. Um, who have done great work, but they've really only done a couple movies. And I'm not comfortable at this point to say, like, this is one of my favorite directors. I love the couple of movies that they've done. I love their style. But so there's that, too. So I'm going to have to give it up to the OG for me. I have a tattoo of Reservoir Dogs very blockedly. <laughs> wow, on the back dude. I had, I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling. Uh, you know, I, he, he, he entered. I mean, I loved movies before I saw Reservoir Dogs, but it was the first movie, well, that and singles, that I got really, really obsessed with as an adult. You know, there was like stuff like Never Ending Story before that. I got obsessed with, but <laughs> so this was like you know the first adult film without jigglies and wobblies in it. I, you know, not, not that kind <laughs> of movie. <laughs> and all this stuff, you know, I've always been on board. I'm always excited about it. It's always unique, even mm. if it's a hodgepodge of other stuff. He's a great funnel for American culture to go through before it 
reaches my brain. So got to give it up to QT. <laughs> And the foot lover, QT. The foot lover. Big the foot lover. Foot lover. Big foot lover. Yeah. Big foot lover. <laughs> it's out of control. Like every video it's you ever watch now about Tarantino, it's constantly Feet. mentioned. Yeah, so maybe I it is like adult films. Really? Yeah. It re- yeah. Well, at least every new one that comes out, it's like, oh, there it is. There it is. And then uh, once the upon a time in Hollywood, it was very obvious. Yeah. The foot. Not to be confused with the foot clan. The foot <laughs> no. in 1990s. Oh, no, 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 Teenage Mutant no. Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Outstanding film. Yes. Foot Clan. The foot clan. <laughs> all uh, members of the Foot right. Clan. <laughs> KCF Shredders. Let's head over to Eric. You, who's number three? <laughs> number three, I'm going with Marty, the legendary Marty Scorsese. Uh, at 79 years old, this is still a uh, filmmaker who. I mean, this is the test for me. If it's a, if they're they're coming out with a new film, I go to the theater. I don't wait it out like Spielberg. I'll wait that out. Okay. Uh, even the <laughs> Coens, I'll wait that out. But Marty makes a picture. I'm in theaters. I love Martin Scorsese to be 79 years old and still be churning out these fast-paced, abundantly. Yeah, Irishman is the. I don't know. Love the Irishman. I love dude. Killers of the Flower Moon's hitting in November. I'm counting the days. I cannot fucking wait. I love Marty, man. His his catalog speaks for itself. What are we talking about here? Yeah, incredible. He's great. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean that goes without saying. Brian, did you make a list? I did. I did. So oh, great. I got skinny, Give us number three. I got, I got skinny before, and uh, this, again, like Travis was saying, uh, on the lead-in, that this is favorites, not exactly like greatest all time. There is favorites. a difference. So for number three, um, and again, this is, if they make a movie, I'm going to go see it. Uh, it's kind of a dark horse for me, but that's why it's number three. Uh, uh, Anna Lily Amick War uh, definitely is a director that I love. Um Bad Batch, like, mm. when you see a girl walks home alone at night, that is probably one of the best films I've seen in the past, like, 15 years, for sure. And that is a black-and-white film set in Iran, which is really Southern California, but it's set in Iran. And uh, then she made The Bad Batch, has its flaws, but it's still, like, you know, a fantastic movie, in my opinion. And I'm really looking forward to um, the uh, Mona Lisa and the, uh, and the, and the Blood Moon uh, still isn't out yet, as far as I know. But she makes a movie. I'm definitely, I'm definitely there. So she's my third favorite director on this list. Wow, I yeah, I got the opportunity to meet her here in Chicago. She brought the Bad Batch oh, really? to the Music Box Cinema, and like I, I had no clue what to expect from this. And it's just so fuck. It's like George Miller meets it's out uh, David Lynch. It's, out it's fucking way out there, but really interesting movie. Uh, yeah, cool director for sure. Wow, dude. Okay. Uh, wow. I don't even know what you said there. Everything that Brian said there, I didn't know what any of it meant. It's that person's name <laughs> or that it. movie. Nope. I don't know anything. I'm going to have to go back and like research check all out, that later. I got a girl walks home alone at night. There's some distortion, too. So, like, between, uh, no idea what you said, but I bet it's, I bet they're wonderful, whoever that person is. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're having a slight audio problem. Brian, if you want to double check your audio in, in the moment while you're uh, in between, because you're too good to sound this bad. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, and I'm, we're all hearing it. We love you so much, and you're such a people. I don't want people to miss out on what you have to offer. So, uh, maybe just yeah, double check right. the settings. And uh, in the meantime, I'll go to my number three. Now, uh, this is a tough call here. Uh, there's so many that I adore, but I think I'm going to go number three is Cameron Crowe. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, he barely makes it because, you know, times have been tough, but 
Woody's already done for me. I, I don't expect there'll be a... Will there be another time in my life or our lives where Cameron Crowe makes a movie that I have to go see immediately? No, I think that could over. be over. But I'm not... <laughs> I'm not also basing that on like a movie I have to go see. I'm just basing on my favorite directors of all time and Cameron Crowe will make the cut. I mean, some of my favorite movies, Almost Famous and Say Anything Alone, Singles. I mean, these are movies that are, are iconic to me in my life. So um, it was close and it was tough, but you made it, Cameron. Congratulations. Even though you made Elizabeth down and... Uh, <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed, you know, so we bought a zoo or we bought a zoo. I really enjoyed it. I really, I did. I totally did. Elizabeth Town sucked, but we bought a zoo was awesome. Hello, we bought a zoo. I, I would contend Elizabeth Town is better than we bought a zoo, but that's just me. We bought an onion. I could see that. I could see you saying that. Aloha. Yeah. Yeah. We bought a, we bought a what? What's the sequel? An onion. Oh, an onion. <laughs> we bought an onion. Yes. I can't wait. I'll be there. Uh, Travis was number two. You know, I'm surprised. I had to double check. This person who's next on my list has only done five films and one series, which is a little less than it feels like. But every film he's done, I've just fucking loved. Slither, Super, both Guardians of the da Galaxy. Suicide Squad is one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. And The Peacemaker is top notch for me. I just Still love Peacemaker so much. James Gunn. I almost made him number one. I just love everything this guy has done. I'm a huge James Gunn fan. I'm going to put him in at number two. That doesn't shock me at all, and I'm glad to hear that he made the list now. That's good news. Eric Bransham, moving into number two. Um, yeah, Stanley Kubrick uh, is my number two. <laughs> of course, this is this is favorites. I mean... Uh, I, you know, little guy named Stanley. I'm, 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 I'm beyond inspired by the legendary uh, Stanley Kubrick, mostly for I just respect the fuck out of uh, an artist of that caliber that just is so concentrated on getting what they want. And he wasn't, by all accounts, like a um, like, like a really like overtly pious, mean individual per se. Uh, he just was you know direct and meticulous about what he wanted and that sort of craftsmanship in film is something that i kind of do in my own little little stuff that i make so i'm hugely inspired by him i just love the way he makes a picture the framing everything the way he directs actors uh all of his movies are fucking incredible eyes wide chuck gets better and better and better and better and better every time i see it i love stanley kubrick so much i just wish i could have gotten one more movie out of him uh so yeah what? that's my number AI, ai doesn't count God, oh, that's so Spielberg <laughs> and funny. There's hardly uh, any Kubrick in that. Wow, any. He was there in spirit. Number two, Mr. Madison. Uh, so I had to go with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. That is my second favorite director working today. I hope you um, would make someone's list. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that is, he is, he, for me, he is event uh, cinema. I have to go see whatever he's making. I got to go see it. Whether I like it or not, um, that's another question, but uh, yeah. if yeah. he makes a movie, I am there to see it. Yeah. So and Paul Thomas Anderson is number two for me. I feel like the whether I like it or not matters. So, <laughs> well, I mean, high consideration for me. He made one of my favorite movies, there, but yeah, mm. you're 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 gonna be there in the theater to watch whatever he's making. Yeah, sure. even if you have to walk out of inherent advice like I did ten minutes in. That's that's oh. why I wasn't in theaters was for Phantom Thread. I made it all the way through, and it was. <laughs> Oh God, I, I'm still not exactly sure what the hell's going on in that movie, but anyway. Okay, well, Travis, number one. Let's see. So number three was who? Quentin Tarantino. 
Number two is Gun. Who's number one? John Carp- John Carpenter, man. I got to give it oh, up to John Carpenter. Oh, I mean, I haven't seen The Ward. Great call. I haven't seen the Elvis movie. There's a couple I haven't seen there. But every John Carpenter movie, to me, he's got that, what I think of as like the Springsteen element, where it's like, hey, you're doing something mm. kind of basic, but at the same time, it's just so fucking good. I can't take my eyes off the screen no matter what you're doing. I love me, John Carpenter. Got to give it up Damn. to the master. It's a great call. Yeah. Just watched a retrospective on Big Trouble Little China. It's one of my favorite movies. So Carpenter <laughs> wouldn't make Car- it wouldn't yeah. make the list, but that movie is one of my favorite movies. So John Carpenter, Dang. the thing, it goes on and on. Good stuff. Great call. Great call. Yeah. I like that. Number one, Eric. Is it obvious? Quentin Tarantino for me. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. No, I mean, Where's no your two tattoo? ways about it. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino, all-time favorite. Uh, it's it's two things. It's like. It, you can feel so much his passion and love for movies while you're watching the movie, and he's super talented, super meticulous, knows exactly what he wants, gets exactly what he wants, and it's just so much fun. And the movies, except the Hateful Eight, which I do not like at all, really? just love uh, that movie. keep getting wow. better and better and better. Okay. I can't stand it. I love is that it? movie more every time I watch it. Wait a minute. Is it, is it your least so it's your least favorite? Oh, for sure. Film? For sure. Really? Huh. Oh, God, yeah. All right. Wow. But yeah, I love Quentin. I cannot wait for his, his last movie. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Star Trek's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's a good one. It'd be funny if everyone's number one was Quentin Tarantino. I could see a world where that actually happens. But I'm glad it's not. Uh, Brian, number one. Well, I can't really uh, I can't really zig or zag here right here, but since he already picked it, but yeah, Tarantino for me is also number one. Um, <laughs> mm. You know, that's mm. uh, it was it, there's honorable mentions too as well. I won't get into it because it's cheating, but yeah, uh, so Tarantino is definitely number one. Um, he's on his last film. Uh, he's always said uh, rather, you know, kind of you know, kind of cocky at the time, but still, he's it rings true. Like he, if you put his if you put his like films up against anybody else's like his best 10 against somebody else's best 10 which is what's going to be his best 10 anyway uh it stands up man i can't really think of anybody else's like best 10 that is better than tarantino's so he has a much longer run than most of them most of them have like four or five the most exactly exactly. they're really good and then they go downhill yeah and hateful eight is still i I don't know what branch is talking about but anyway um but yeah that's uh, that's so good man um but yeah, he's when it's all said and done, I think it's like his his is going to be tough to beat then. So, guys, am I crazy? Did I skip over my number two when Brian uh, got into PTA? I feel yes. like we've only heard I, Cameron Crowe from you, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> right. Am I not? I just want to make sure I'm not crazy because I was that's like, it. I swear no, I like, didn't it's say. Crow, one, two, three, Crow, Crow. No, no, no. Good. Uh, no. Okay, so sorry. Uh, so. I'll give you two and one, then. I'll knock him out. Right. Uh, right. Two was... Uh, so two for me is Alexander Payne. I mm. love Alexander oh, Payne's shit. movies. I love Sideways, Sideways and Election are two of my oh, favorite man. movies. Those two alone, pick. that gets the job done for me. Uh, and I do mm. enjoy the other films to a lesser degree, I admit that. But they're, those two films are so fucking good that I, I just mm. love what he does. And he also, you know, he, he writes with his partner, uh, Jim What's-His-Face, Jim Taylor, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's. I just love his sense of humor. It's good stuff, and that's right up my alley. So and I'm not trying to be contrarian here. I mean, Quentin Tarantino could be in my top three. He's that good. He really is. Uh, it's fair to say that. But my number one, and I, it was once to be representative, like Travis said, of myself, a personal list. My number one is 
not PTA. I love PTA. I mean, five years ago, before Inherent Vice, it was hands down number one all time. Number yeah. one all time for Boogie Good Nights and Magnolia. Run. Yeah, Punch, Punch Rock Love, which I saw in theater with Brian uh, back in 02. But oh, number one for me is... Paul Verhoeven, man. I love <laughs> wow. Paul Verhoeven's movies. Wow. I you love... just zag. You just zag. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really love him, though. I really do. I love Robocop. That's all-time classic. We Star all Star love Troopers. Robocop. I, I enjoy Star Trek Troopers, but Total Recall is so Troopers. good. And his 2006 movie, uh, Little Black Book, I love that movie. I've watched that movie many, many times. Not a fun movie. It's about the Holocaust, his experience what? in Holland, growing up Not in Holland, movie. in the point of view of World War II and the Holocaust. So, Oh, shit. I, I, uh, it stars uh, the girl from Game of Thrones. I can't remember her name. Carice Van Houten. Maybe I did remember her name. Uh yep. Who plays the I red lady? You were talking about that Brittany Murphy vehicle. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I've heard that before. Uh, but it's just, you know, Verhoeven, man, he did some rest, rest he different genres. I mean, I guess you could say Robocop and Starship Troopers and Total Recall all are science fiction. I think Robocop's less science fiction, more of like a action movie. Well, even cyborg. Has, cyborg right. in the future. Futuristic cyborg. Yeah, but it he seems does, so. action very well. It didn't seem that far off in the future at all at the time, oddly enough, which is fascinating to me. But we don't need to debate that. This is. It's my is my personal favorite. I probably could have said, Damn. I could have switched Alexander Payne. You could have switched them. I don't. I mean, these are all yeah. pretty tight. So yeah. um, there you go. That's it. That's my list. And all right, what a fun list, guys. I think it we represented like everybody. Yeah, that was really representative of everyone's movie taste. I feel like so they were very honest and true to the game. Let's do quarantine <laughs> viewing picks now. We'll go back to Travis Roy at the top of the board. What are the films you've been watching, and will you recommend any of them? Well, you know, I uh, it was Memorial Day weekend. I was out of town uh, for most of it. My niece graduated high school, so I went down to West Virginia to to be a part of that. Yeah, she got a four point seven grade average. That's a thing people it's can a do. What? A four point seven. I'm like, is this? She broke the scale. Are you, are you cheating? Good, What's happening here? Um, and she wasn't even the only valedictorian. How you get four point seven <laughs> and have to share valedictorian status? I don't know, but I guess she did a whole bunch of extra stuff. Uh, Academics clearly. have changed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, are, are you sure? I did not know that. <laughs> Very proud. Um, but so I didn't watch much. I watched uh, I watched Downton Abbey: A New Era with my mom while you guys went and saw the uh, the, 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 the life changer uh, airplane movie. That way, it was an empty theater. Uh, no, there was there was an elderly couple in there with us. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Hey, you know what? I love Downton Abbey. I love the first movie, and I love this movie, too. Uh, I think this was better than the first movie, but if you like Downton Abbey, this is a fine addition to what they got going on, and I liked it. I also watched George Carlin's American Dream, this four-part documentary, four-hour four yes, documentary, yes. right? Uh, you saw it, too, yeah. right, Govier? Yeah, I forgot to mention it the, the week before, so uh, what did you think? <laughs> I mean, talk about a warts and all kind of experience. You really see this man at his best and his worst. And, you know, it's very funny, but it, it also kind of confronts the viewer with uh, some, you know, some things that like, you know, I always think of him like, yeah, I'm on board with like everything this guy says. But yeah, towards the end, there was some stuff where I'm like, ah, I'm not sure what you're going for here, George. And I'm not sure if I'm with you. Um, but in terms of 
you know, Mount Rushmore of comedians, as, as they say, he is deservedly so. I mean, I think that he's one of the, the it, during the, not to, no spoilers, but Stephen Colbert in an interview in that documentary compared him to the Beatles. And this documentary is like, get back. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that deep dive that um, exploration. You saw it too, Brian? I did. what do you think? Uh, I loved it. It was, a com- yeah. it's, 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 it's a, uh, it's complete life without being self-serving. Yeah. Like, yeah, I yeah. think that's a good way to well, put, put it. it. I would agree with that. Yeah. And I, I don't I, think uh, there's a self-serving bone in 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 the, ever in Carlin's body. So I think that's oh that's no. Well, <laughs> yeah, his daughter <laughs> might say something other than that. But I mean, well, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, it's um, I don't know. I think it was a, a fair and balanced doc, and uh, it yeah. uh, showed everything. Well, I think Apatow should get credit. He did a really, he's doing a really good job making these comedy retrospectives. Yes. This is coming his thing now. Yeah. Yeah. He really loves com- uh, comedy and comedians, and he's clearly the guy to do these kinds of, of things. I think this is the best comedian documentary I've seen since Bill Hicks, The American, uh, which I also love. Um, this is, it was really good. And then uh, what else did I watch? Last but not least, um, Oh, I watched Young Adult. Oh, you know, the uh, the <laughs> first three episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Are you guys watching? Oh, heard of this dude, I haven't show? seen it yet, man. I've, I've, I'm afraid. I've, I've, I, I've got I've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts on that. I haven't seen I, it my, yet. Uh, my thoughts, can I leave for five minutes? I can leave. <laughs> if, you, if you want to. Um, my thoughts, and I'll be brief because we're only three episodes in, but I'm a little underwhelmed. My, my expectations may have been right. unfairly right. heightened. A friend of mine who is the quintessential Star Wars guy, more than anybody I know. Yes, Eric, even way more than you. This guy is obsessed. This guy loves Star Wars. And he was like, this is fucking great. This is really good. And I'm like, I'm really? hearing all these great things. And I sat down and watched it. I'm just like, I'm just I'm three episodes of being <sighs> underwhelmed. And and also, like, some really big things, key moments, uh, reunions happening. I'm like, you know, sitting on my couch in the middle of the day, watching it on my dirty TV with like the sunlight streaming in. And I press pause. I got to take the dogs out and I come back. To, you know, it's like, this is so fucking blase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we, I got yeah. thoughts. There's all sorts of, there's all sorts of shit. But I mean, uh, the, uh, Leia is uh, <sighs> freaking annoying. And um, the chasing, Leia losing Obi-Wan in that city is one of the most comical chase sequences <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. Oh, like, man. it's like, she did not lose you. You let her go into that alley. That's the only possible explanation of how she got away from it. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous, it's ridiculous. It's, it's also heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking to watch this so far. Yeah. It's like a really, it's like, a, it's like someone didn't even try. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh oh. Okay. Wow. Eric, that's a gotta, sour note. You want to chime in on it before we? Well, I'm done. Bo- I was bored. I I've never fast forwarded through any of the Star Wars Disney Plus series. I've loved all of them. Fast forwarding through a fucking Obi Wan TV series, and you got you and McGregor. You got uh, these incredible sets. It was like. It, it just felt like product. It felt like content that they had to put on in order to keep the theme parks running and the shareholders <laughs> happy. That's all it seemed like. Is Favreau involved in this one? I don't know. No, he doesn't I, write. I think so. I, yeah. I'm sure he produces back like creatively, but like he doesn't write. He doesn't do it. It's just so limp. It's just limp. It's nothing on the screen. Yeah. Well, like is it fair to say it without seeing it that you know maybe the follow up episodes will bring it home? There's a few more I episodes. Mean, I mean, I'll watch them. I Probably think six, right? There's going to be six episodes. 
Fuck, um, you're right. We're halfway through it already. Yeah, oh. We're halfway through it. Uh-oh. So I just, and, and we all know what it's leading up to because if you've seen the trailer, you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I, mean, I don't even know if that's going to save it at this point. You know, so okay. um, I loved the idea of the sacrifice that Obi Wan made to stay on Tatooine forever, never be able to leave the planet. That was his cross to bear. Now he just gets to keep going on adventures at the drop of a hat. <laughs> Dumb. This, I, I think this stupid show stemmed from the line of "Help me, help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, or my only hope." How does she oh, no. know that, that Obi-Wan is, is, is out there? Well, we, we'll just do this bullshit. And then here we are where, yeah, <laughs> you, you have a Princess Leia who is, I don't know, six, but acting like she's 14. And oh, it's just, it's, it's fucking annoying. But anyway. Oh, man, dude. And I'm sorry. I've said it. I joked about it in a text, but we've got the most famous sought after Jedi in the universe wandering around these busy planets looking exactly like obi-wan kenobi <laughs> not even being inconspicuous or anything yeah just cut, cut, cut up a slice of fish fuck. and by the way how does the foreman not know he's cutting up that fish every single time at the end of the show <laughs> yeah dude yeah yep. he just has to look over and be like, well hey, what and you that's doing? that kind of gets to, up the fish for that gets one of my main problems is that it's not just the the kind of there's some problematic casting i think like and that they're not doing great work um and i think that there's you know some script issues but also like there's stuff happening where I'm like, that doesn't make sense. You went down that hallway. She went down that hallway. You were supposed to meet <laughs> to each other, but instead you're somewhere fucking else. Did you fly? Did Darth Vader fly? <laughs> what, what, like, where are these people going? Why are they showing up? I mean, people complain about the way people travel during Game of Thrones. I'm like, apparently, like, they're just teleporting now. I don't know. Yeah. All right. I'm we'll done. see what happens. Yeah. Man, I feel so lost right now, and I haven't seen anything. I can't wait now. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm making it a priority now. Uh, Eric, you're in control of the board. What, Travis, is that, was that your final call? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian, I've been, for the past two, I haven't been to a, well, I went to see Batman. Before that, it's been three years since I've been to a movie theater. Three years of bliss, because the movie theater experience for me is a nightmare. People talking, dudes crunching on nachos in my ear. Uh, so much stress and anxiety. Uh, so I've been loving being at home, being able to watch these these films in the comfort of my own home. But when I saw Top Gun Maverick on Saturday, it was it was li- a life affirming experience as far as movie theaters go. It was like church. It was like a super church, like that that type of energy. This had bless God bless Tom Cruise for delaying this like he did. This has to be seen in theaters. And I'm not even a huge Top Gun fan. Like my wife is a big Top Gun person. I'm just like, yeah, whatever, it's 80s cheese. I walk out of the theater fucking blown away. This is one of the best action movies I've ever seen in my entire life. So well written, so gorgeously directed. The energy it's like classic nineties Jerry Bruckheimer, bone crushing, like face off fun that I'm not used to seeing from from characters that aren't wearing uh capes or holding lightsabers. It's what I've been missing for so long. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. (laughs) It's obvious, yes. You did love it, yeah. yeah. God, it's so did. fucking good, man. It's so good. Brian, you can go ahead and chime in and now since it's came up. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, well written, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's there's there's some there's some you know it's it's an action popcorn summer blockbuster, right? So it's not exactly Shakespeare. There are some scenes where I was like, oh, uh, I don't know, but <laughs> it is all about like, when you see when you I don't know. There's how they shot it, like how they, when you see them in the F-18s, like uh, doing the practice runs and all of those, like 
it seems dangerous because it is like it is them in the planes, right? You know, it's just like the same thing with the original Top Gun. Um, you know, the you know the the Iceman scene and, and all that's the heart of the film. You know, that was great and everything. But let's get back in the goddamn planes. That's you know they get back in the planes and it's fantastic. I loved it. So let's uh, uh, yeah. let's let's complete this mission somewhere in this nondescript country. Let's do it, man. I'm here. Oh for my that. god! <laughs> Don't say Russian. <laughs> that just reminds me of that terrible Nintendo game. God, it sucked. It was so game. impossible. It, I mean, you, you, could, you can't I land on that aircraft carrier it, ever. Impossible. No one and ever connect to the gas in the next level. Oh man, I couldn't connect mm-hmm. to the gas machine. Uh, sorry, Eric. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, lo- I, I, I want to see it again. Um, <laughs> okay, um, Stranger Things four is out, and you know it's going pretty good so far. It does like one part of it's really good, which is all these horror aspects. It's classic eighties horror. Talk about John Carpenter. There's a lot of that in there, and then like you know, like the writers are kind of running idea out of ideas when they have to like. This isn't a spoiler because it happened in season three. Like, well, this might be a spoiler. No yeah. spoilers. Let's just let's put it this way. <laughs> did you see season three? Yeah, I think we all did. Remember yeah. what happened to Hopper? Like when a writer has to like have something like that happen to a huge character, and then spend like all these episodes bringing them back when we know they're just going to be back anyway. Yeah, it gets kind of like tawdry for me. So it's kind of rickety, but uh, it's it's still fun thanks to some horror elements and a lot of fun characters. So yeah, I, it's safe to say that Stranger Things is kind of back, but you know they're getting older. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a documentary that I wish was so better. Still talking about Stranger Things? No, 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 no. I'm over that. There, there's a documentary. Give me a thumbs on... up if you're still talking about Stranger Things. <laughs> no, I'm not. Can I no, put I'm my good. headphones oh, back yeah, on? No, we're still talking about that. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. There's a documentary on the, uh, uh, well, the Discovery, the, the Clotilda that I wish was better on National and uh, Disney Plus and National Geographic. Um, it's an amazing story. There's no doubt about that. And the discovery is, is, is fantastic. It's like a 50 minute documentary that could easily be a multi-series, multi-generational look at the lives that came from this last transatlantic slave ship from Mobile, Alabama that they finally found after this long search. You get to hear some really, um, powerful personal stories of the descendants from this ship and watching the expedition to to actually find the the hole that was thought lost forever i recommend it i dug it a lot uh and last but not least man dark side of the ring like i said last week is back and the episodes just keep getting better man like we're getting into we're getting into everything man and uh i i can't i cannot wait for more and uh a and e's coming back with their their uh wrestling spotlights uh this summer so yeah, a lot to, lot to look forward to, especially now that the depth trial is over. I got through all 24 days. I watched all. I watched the entire oh trial. What? This had to have been like uh, 100 hours that I watched. Why? What? Why did you watch that? I don't know. I just kind of got sucked into the, the <laughs> minutia, the court, and like the oh, all the little things about it. I don't know. But now it's over. I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, moving on with my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Wow. All right. Talk all to right. That's it, okay. Eric Brancham. <laughs> thank you for your service. Sure, sure, no problem. Your Top Gun Two service. Uh, let's see. So yeah, I watched that Carlin documentary. I thought it was uh, fascinating, fantastic. You know, he's in the 
like all time. He's in the history of this country. Like it says, you know, he had a Supreme Court showdown. That's awesome. So not only was he a great comic who made a lot of money and made people laugh, he actually made his mark on a country in a beneficial way, uh, I think. So good job, Mr. Carlin. Uh, I enjoyed it just as much as the Gary Shandling doc for me. They're both uh, right yeah, there equal. The Shandling doc is really good. Yeah, I, I, you know, I love Shandling more than Carlin. In fact, I think George Carlin, this is just a quick side note, but it, he represents this fascinating character and where we are in today's country because people from both sides can adopt him for things that are current today. And it's really weird. There's almost like George Carlin, who though he was very much trying to be this guy who, you know, believed in our, our rights and, you know, anti-war and a lot of things that are wrong with our government and our country uh, is actually given rise to a sect. I could, you could make the argument in our country today, like some of the QAnon stuff and all those type of shit. They would see things that George Carlin says and take to them, which actually to me is fascinating because it also means like, hey, maybe we're not as far apart sometimes as we realize because he kind of is this center point for two divergences in this world. And I'm not saying I'm pro anything. I just think it's I just think it's fascinating. It's there could be like a whole story about him in a different way about who he was and the things he talked about. You could do a whole different documentary outside of like his bio life. So um, that's, that's all I would have to say about that. Um, so what's, what's QAnon? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to experience such blissful wow, ignorance, dude. <laughs> what is QAnon? <laughs> what's the deal with this QAnon? <laughs> Who's Caden? <laughs> I, I watched, uh, I hadn't uh, seen it, and it reminded me what a big deal it was in my life. I hadn't watched it in forever. Don Bluth's An American <laughs> Tale, five yeah. the original. Oh, I definitely saw this in the theater, and when I watched the movie, it took me back to the theater. And I remember rooting for Fievel so vigorously and being so afraid as a five- or six-year-old kid. And What a great movie. And I mean, what a monster song that was. Somewhere out there, that was yeah. a yeah. monster. It was yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I still hum that every once in a while yeah, to myself. Also, Great there's no team. cats in America. There's no slouch either. Yeah. I'm, oh, Travis, me. I was watching it. I was watching it with Leanne. Leanne's like, "Oh, I barely remember this," and I, I already started singing. As soon as the movie started, I already singing. There are no cats in America. And then seven minutes later, there it was. I was like, oh yeah, I love that. The streets are paved with cheese. It is a really great like uh, immigrant story. It really is. It is. Oh, it's It's so story about immigration. Yeah. It is. It's it's a total pogroms tale of yeah. Jews yeah. escaping Russia yeah. except they're mice but it's the same thing and then and then so. you're five years old watching it and you know it seeps into your it's it's you know, it's, it's great yeah it's great right yeah. Moskowitz I mean it's not even trying to hide it <laughs> no, no, <it's>, it's, <laughs> I, I it holds uh, up surprisingly well I watched it a few years ago I was like shit there's all kinds of social awareness going on in this movie and like historical yeah. uh like literacy it's good I was proud. I was like, man, I'm so glad I saw this as a kid. What a this movie has a lot going on. I had no yeah. idea when I was a little boy. I was a little Fievel boy. Uh, I never saw uh, Fievel Goes West, though. I got to be honest. Trash. So, eh. Yeah. <laughs> no social awareness. No. Oh, it's a it's a jeez. Uh, Is it more trash than uh, Charlie Cowboy's character in Young yeah. Adult? Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart back, and then it's yeah. a western. <laughs> That's what it is. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh shit! I feel like I missed. I feel like I missed out. Damn. Okay. Well, that's how it goes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, it was pretty minimal this week. I'm just double checking my list because I, I forget. Oh, I watched Son-in-Law, which <laughs> to me is just I really enjoy Son-in-Law. Son-in-Law. I've never the seen. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, there is a legendary cameo in Son of Law, and I missed it before. You guys know what I'm talking about? No. I can't remember. They do a Encino Man cameo in Son in Law. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I didn't remember it at all. Holy and I'm like, shit. holy shit. It's Brendan Fraser as Encino Man <laughs> in the dorm rooms that Carlo Gugino, by the way. I <laughs> turns out I knew who Carlo Gugino was when I was much oh younger and I didn't God. realize that oh at the time. I was like, oh my God. She was in this movie? Spellbinding. I, I, I yep. did, it was like I retconned her in there, but she was in there. It was weird. Oh, Jesus. And Encino Man's in the dorm room that they're at. It's like, oh my God. And like, Paulie Shore looks at him. He's like, "Nah, it's so dumb." But it's a great. I wrote it down at a list, another list I'm creating for the best cameos. Yeah, greatest cameos of all time. It's on a list. I would put it in there. I was impressed by it. Megovich Chomsky. Yeah, I saw Encino Man in theater. It was great. Uh, But Son-in-Law was fun. It's a fun movie, and I think uh, I think I'd rather enjoy Son-in-Law. I really do. Wow. Better or worse than the animal? Oh. That's tight. That's tight. That's a close one, Travis. It really is. Right. I, I'm okay. not sure. I, I just something about son-in-law. It's so dumb. But it's, it's no Freddy got fingered, though. We know that much. Of course. Well, no, right. no. Okay. I wouldn't say the animal or <laughs> yeah. either of those movies. Yeah. Top of the heap. Yeah, that's Top. class, class, class. In the <laughs> army now. Anyone? Uh, <laughs> and uh, for some reason, I watched uh, that stupid Speed Racer movie. Um, yeah, the oh. Wachowskis, right? The it's a bunch of colors. Yeah, yeah. I keep hearing it's pretty good. Colors. I've never seen colors. it. It's a bunch of colors. I, I'm a little bit annoyed. I mean, Spritel is just too annoying for me, man. I can't. It's too much Spritel and the monkey thing. And if you love Speed Racer, I actually think it's pretty faithful to the show. So if you enjoyed that, then great. And he does, you know, he. I would say he looks just like Speed. It's a real, uh, it's a solid casting call. And. Christina Ricci looks just like the girl character, which I don't remember her name. So it's it got shit on and it, it totally bombed at theaters. But yeah, Eric, it's uh, it's not terrible, and it looks it looks good. It does look good. It's just I don't know. I don't know if I love it. So. Colors, and I wouldn't by blame the, way, the movies. They're, they're, they're turning that into a TV show, by the way. Well, of course they are, Brian. And speaking of TV are. shows, uh, why don't you tell us what you've watched recently or recommend anything at this moment in time? Oh man. Um, so I, so I had to get back to the theater as soon as possible. I got, that was one of the reasons why I got uh, vaccinated and the booster. I was like, I need to make it back to the theater. So I've seen a lot of movies in the theater. Um, everything everywhere all at once is probably my favorite movie of the year. Um, so, good. so far that shit was, uh, Travis, obviously you saw it. Govier, Eric, did you guys see it yet? It is fantastic. It is worth going to theater to see. I know it's still running in most theaters right now because it's that good. Um, mm. It's it's amazing. Um, so Michelle Yeoh finally gets a, a chance to shine, and uh, you know Hollywood really didn't know what to do with her, so she finally gets this moment. And what a freaking moment it is, man! So it's so good. Can so can you believe Jackie Chan turned it down? I'm so glad he did. I can totally believe that. I can absolutely. Yeah, I can too. That. He's all of like, I'm I China. Can. I'm back with China now. I'm like, all right, well, we'll take Michelle yeah, Yeoh. Yeah, cool. One hundred percent. Yeah, China. You know, totalitarian. Whatever. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I just went to go see Men. Um, Alex Garland's Men. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Holy and shit. and um, I, without giving you guys any spoilers or, or anybody else. Um, all I can say is that uh, that movie is one of the more disturbing films I've seen in a while. Oh, for sure. Fuck. It All is. Right. I can't wait. It's it's a it's one of those kind of sort of slow burn. Things aren't exactly what they seem. There's a trauma in the past. You're like, I think I know where this is going. 
let me let me tell you guys oh, right man. now you will not know where the hell that film is going all right i, I can tell you wait. that right now i was in the theater it, i was by myself too by the, the entire <laughs> theater myself nobody was going to see men this weekend oh. <laughs> i went to the theater but i'm in there by myself watching it eating popcorn and mm-hmm. by by the final 30 minutes of this film i i just i, I put the popcorn aside i was just like all right we're just gonna get through this right now and, uh, oh, I can't wait! It's 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 fucking weird. That's all I can tell you. Um, uh, of course, Top Gun Two. We'll just kind of sort of mm. just go right over that. We've already gone over it. Um, I finished up Severance on Apple TV. I don't know if you guys watched this show. So fucking awesome! Oh, Hearing great God. things. It's so good, man. If yeah. you, if anybody has any days at their day job where they're like, oh man, this feels a little monotonous, watch Severance. <laughs> all right, that is that show is like my. Uh, spirit work animal, if you will. You know? Yeah. So it, it's like it's like a dystopian picture, but it's now. It's so now. Yeah. It's not trying to be the future. Yeah. It's like, hey, you live in a dystopia. Enjoy yeah. this this TV show. It's <laughs> and it's and it's the most amazing uh, simple sci-fi setup. Of mm, all yeah. You know, it's a fantastic idea. I can't believe it hasn't been done yet. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I started Carnival Row <laughs> on Amazon. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Uh. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. It's 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 okay. It's uh, um, you know, Orlando Bloom, uh, the the beautiful Cara Delevingne, and uh, uh, it's about fairies and they're discriminated against. In a town called the Berg. That's 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 the basic setup. So she's got wings, guys. She's got wings. Um, <laughs> cool. Sounds cool. Uh, and then uh, uh, you know, obviously I saw the Carla Doc too as well. Um. I checked out the last Starfighter again. Holy crap! I still love that movie. That's Speaking that's all Carver. I can say. I still love the last Starfighter. Yeah, I've never seen um, that. God damn it, Eric! You need to see that. Yeah, I've never um, seen that. And then I also revisited uh, this kind of sort of martial arts uh, epic uh, in, in the world of martial arts action genre films. Uh, like these two films are amongst the amongst the greats. Uh, I checked out the Raid Two again, and it's still amazing. Mm. So that's uh, that's all I can say about that. That's about it. Um, okay, Brian. Hmm. I everything I I hear about the raid two nonstop all the time everywhere. Like best action movie, best everything of all time. Like, is the raid one good? Like, oh, like okay. what well, even so, is this series? So basically, all right. So uh, equal Uwa. So you guys would know him from uh, um, the uh, Force Awakens. He was one of the two like uh, bad guys that finds the uh, finds the money in Falcon, right? Um, yeah, yeah, so he, yeah. us, he uh, they're from uh, uh, Jakarta, right? And uh, Gareth Edwards is this Dutch filmmaker. He decided to make this like martial arts action film in Jakarta, and he called it The Raid. And it has mm. the most ridiculously simple. All great action films have great simple setups. Die Hard. It's a guy who's about to get divorced. He's going to see his wife in Los Angeles, and terrorists take over the building. Right? Mm. Great setup. The Raid is the exact well, the exact same type of setup. Uh, SWAT team has to go into this drug lord's building to get the drug lord but the drug lord locks down the building and tells all of his tenants to kill all of the all the police officers that is the setup for the film so that's the first raid um the fight choreography they do uh salat not to get uh too lost uh, in, in the weeds here but um it is very brutal like uh, fight style um uh, indonesia is known for being a brutal country i think you guys know the history of indonesia for sure um so some things yeah, yeah first some things about <laughs> indonesia right um, so it's basically the first raid is this team SWAT team trying to get to the top level and trying to get through the like 
you know, the, the, the different uh, types of tenants that are trying to stop them, right? Oh, man. So, awesome. yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and the Raid 2 is a continuation. Sounds like Kung it's, Fu, it's... the video game, where your mission is to get to the top and then defeat <laughs> Mr. X. Exactly, yeah. It does sound oh, go, exactly go, go, right go, 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 And so the Raid 2 is like, it's a very bloated version. <laughs> it's, it's a bigger Boing. story. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop doing Kung Fu noises now. Yeah, I'm sorry. You can't do it. You can't, you can't stop doing it. There's so uh, many the sound Ray effects 2, in that game. <laughs> the Ray 2 is a continuation of that. And it's it's a bigger story. It's a bloated story. But the uh, fight choreography is probably the greatest uh, choreographed fight scenes of all time. So if you're in for an adrenaline wow. jolt, check out Raid's one, Raid 1 and 2. Is anyone going to see love Crimes of the Future jolts. next weekend? What's that? See what? Anyone's going to see Crimes of the Future, the new Cronenberg? I, I mean, definitely want to see that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe I might take a nap. I don't know. <laughs> take a I nap. Probably won't, I take probably won't nap. leave my house. I mean, if I'm honest with myself, <laughs> probably find a Kentaco hut and call it a night. Kentaco. Hey, <laughs> Kentaco what hut. a great Kentaco. good segue, like, Eric. Segue nice job. KFC the movie. Actually, this, I take it back. This you is Diet Coke the movie. Let's do. Let's talk about Diet Coke the movie. Yeah, yeah. This Diet is <laughs> yeah Diet Coke the movie. Diet or, Coke the uh, movie. Yeah, young adult books the movie. Yeah, it's time to do. Brian Selection. It's from 2011. That was 11 years ago, apparently. Uh, and it's called Young Adult, directed by Jason Reitman. He's reteaming with his Juno writer. Her name is Diablo Cody. I hope you're eating enough in the city. You gotta start taking care of yourself, sweetie. You know, lean cuisine is not a meal. Yeah, I think I might be an alcoholic. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> You're not still pulling it, are you? Stop that. It's just that your hair is so beautiful. Yeah, well, Mom, can you please take down that photo of me and Alan? Which picture, sweetie? The wedding photo? We are divorced. We just thought it was a nice memory. Of my failed marriage? Well, the wedding wasn't a failure. Remember the tiramisu? I like that, Alan. Dad, he's my ex-husband. You're supposed to be on my team. Oh, he's a nice guy, that's all. I didn't know there were teams. Have you seen you. Uh, any old friends on this visit? Actually, I've been seeing quite a bit of Buddy. Oh, the old beau, huh? I remember you kids were so cute in high school. <laughs> it's funny how those initial instincts can be so right, you know? I mean, you make all these mistakes along the way, but the world will make sure you end up with the person you're meant to be with. It's good to keep those people in your life, the people who really know you best. Mm-hmm. And that new baby of his is just darling. Have you seen it? Up close? I suppose. Is everything okay? <laughs> I'm sure it will be fine. It's probably too soon to tell. It's just that Buddy used to say that we would make the cutest little babies ever. Charlize Theron? Patrick Wilson. Yeah, I didn't know Patrick Wilson was in this. I didn't remember that. So I might not have made it that far. And of course, Patton Oswalt is in this film. Travis. Interesting character. Have you, had you seen this movie before? And if so, let's hear about your story. Dude, I actually caught this one in theaters in uh, 2011. Wow, yep, I was living in Ypsilanti, and this was playing at the theater in Ipsy, I believe, is where I caught it. Uh, I I had no interest in Diablo Cody. I, I was kind of underwhelmed by Juno. I thought it was okay. I didn't really understand all the hoopla 
I mean, I liked I don't it. Know if you can say it, that, uh, I, I liked it, but I didn't think it was uh, amazing. But so I didn't go see it for that. I I went to see it for Patton. This was like the, this was Patton. I, I liked. I mean, I, I saw a big fan, of course. Um, but <laughs> you know, he has yeah he hasn't done a ton still even to this day. But especially at that point, he had not had a lot of uh, acting roles, especially basically you know like second lead roles like this. So I, I was in theaters for Patton, and I hadn't seen it until I watched it then. I didn't see it again until last night. <laughs> okay, I like how you said that, uh, Eric Bradshaw. Take us back to your first young adult viewing. <laughs> After Up in the Air from 2009, I made it a point. I made it a personal dedication to myself to always see Jason Reitman's films in theaters. Um, I didn't see Young Adult in the theater, sadly. But uh, (laughs) when I eventually uh, rented it down the The line. The next movie I didn't see. Yeah, yeah. It It didn't happen. The very first time I made that. (laughs) Saw it uh, in 2011 on home video. Uh, Loved it. I, I, I loved it, man. It had the same feel that up in the air did and, and like like you travis i found juno to be just like eh, all right cool it's a movie but i loved up in the air and like we have a style we have an immediate style here it's definitely an alexander Payne type of morose style that i loved totally responded to i've seen it a few times since so yeah this was probably like my fourth or fifth viewing uh so yeah yeah i'm kind of in the game on this one get in the game at dunham's ryan uh you chose this movie do you remember your first viewing uh, so I also did see this in the theater, and um, I was also underwhelmed by Juno, and uh, I also think Up in the Air was a little overrated. So I was actually like, "Oh, okay, wow, him, dude!" Uh, we're we're gonna give Reitman another shot. Uh, I think Up in the Air is a little. Um, well, anyway, I, I won't get into Up there, but anyway, so Young Adult uh. though was the movie where I was like, "Oh, all right, so yeah, okay." Like he's, you know, he's, he's a pretty good director. Right. And Diablo Cody, maybe she's a good writer. Cause I actually thought Juno was also a little, a little blah. Right. So, um, I just remember this being like, uh, like kind of the best of for the people who were involved in the film. I thought it was Reitman's best film. I thought it was Cody's best script. Um, I thought it was Charlize Theron's best performance up to that point. Um, I thought that it was like the best for all these things. Um, and I had not seen it since that viewing in 2011 so that's why i chose it for this one i was like you know what it's on hbo max uh let's do it so wow i don't like this up in the air talk at all uh take great offense to that came out at a time in our country where things were really in the shitter and uh, it was hey hey i could rarely think of a movie that was more poignant yeah the fuck the backpack but i couldn't think of a movie that was more poignant for the moment and in it was so relevant it was wild okay yeah everything was up in the air back then man you know incredible it was (laughs) fucked up man fucking crazy and shit i prefer jack Uh, and jill uh do a robbery whatever that was called (laughs) fun with dick and jane yeah that's what it was fun with dick and jane yeah remake much more timely very timely i have a feeling that was the, the selling point it's Jim Carrey in a movie called Fun with Dick and Jane. We're doing it. Let's <laughs> End of story. That's it. Green light, $50 million right now. There we go. Uh, so I remember seeing this movie on a couch or a chair somewhere, somewhere in a drug haze, I think in like 2014, maybe 2013, some type of, I was probably just sitting there and I gave it a shot and like, I just turned it off after about 35 minutes. I just like this this is awful. This is, I don't enjoy this. I'm not feeling this at all. And I just, I remember it very, dis, very distinctly. Checked out. Patton Oswalt Checked showed up and I'm like, oh, Patton's here. Okay, cool. And then I was like, oh, this is not saving it. I'm out of here. 
<laughs> so I remember it being a very, very tough watch. That's it. That's all I'd say about that. Uh, let's go to the IMDb score. I didn't look it up, so I'm going to participate. Did anyone see the score? No, I'm I'm going to yeah, guess. Yeah, I, I caught it. You caught it? Sorry, Trevor. That's okay. Uh, I think that people like it but don't love it. It's not one that people talk about a lot. Um, but I don't think it's like, you know, in the doldrums of it. I'm going to I'm going to say 6.7. Ooh, wow. I'm going to say this is like a 6.1. I'm going to split the difference, 6.3. 6.3, says IMDb. Okay. Good oh, job, Brian. Yeah, Brian. Okay. You win the nothing. You win nothing. I win the nothing award? The nothing. <laughs> you win no, the that nothing. That would be something. This was nothing. Nothing was there. You All right, a, uh, a wolf talking to you through a hole in the wall. That's yeah, you get know. a green-eyed wolf uh, that you don't really see much of more than like once or twice. Animatronic wolf. There you go. Kind of kills the movie. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> let's go with uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is a place that rates films. And we're really hoping for a Dustin Thompson uh, review on this one because I would Please. love Come on, to see what he thinks of this. Dustin really or Bill Goody Coons. need you now more than ever. Oh, I'd love <laughs> a Goody Coons. Okay, so, so this is interesting. I think this could be a new record. 80%. From the critics, they love it. Huh. Forty nine from the audience. <laughs> Holy shit! Take that uh, in. I could see the audience being lower. I didn't think it'd be that low though. That's a divergence right there. That's a big, uh, yeah. big. Not to be confused with the movie divergence. divergence. <laughs> Not to be confused <laughs> with the young adult young series adult divergence. <laughs> <laughs> the series divergence. Okay. Oh, it's not going to be any better than that today. That's so good. Yeah, okay, uh, as far cool. as the critical reviews, uh, that's it. Um, let's see. No Bill Goody Coons. Dessen? I really Dessin? hoped he would show up for this. Uh, you know, I'm hoping for a Dessen. In the meantime, let's hear from, uh, how about Josh Larson from Larson on Film? Okay. Everyone okay. knows Josh Larson. <laughs> sure. It's so funny. You know, it just yeah. it's so funny where these critics come from in their own websites. You should. <laughs> we should make our own. I should make Govier on film. Michael Govier. And I'll be like, wow, top critic. Uh, <laughs> a, a narrative <laughs> treadmill. A narrative treadmill. Oh, you wow. get the sense Mavis is still out there somewhere, lonely and lost, <laughs> as when we first met her. Damn, mm. Larson is actually That's pretty poetic. good. Yeah. Narrative yeah. treadmill. Yeah, yeah, that's no. a new one. I don't think I've heard anything like that. Uh, like see. that. No Dessin. I'm going to steal that. Christian Science Monitor? Christian Science Monitor says, uh, how about Gabe Leibowitz from Film and Felt? <laughs> Film and Felt. <laughs> Where's this shit coming from? His two passions? <laughs> as much as I love film, I fucking love felt. I love I, I love to feel felt. There was a billiards I table it. I put my hand on the other day. Just, Gorgeous. I draped myself in velvet. <laughs> All right. Gabe Leibowitz. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gabe Leibowitz from Film and Felt says, Film and Felt. If, if Up in the Air had a certain cavalier attitude in its direction, young adult is downright lazy. <laughs> wow. Some harsh Dang. words here, yeah. Uh, cavalier. No, is, I didn't know that Up in the Air was cavalier, but okay. It's uh, safe to say he felt no emotion while watching the film. Mm, intriguing. Oh. How about, still not finding any Destin. How about Wesley Morris? Uh, he said okay. on December 15, 2011, the movie doesn't weigh that much, but it has a kind of point blank piquancy. 
P-I-Q-U-N-A-N-C-I. Why? Pequency? Pequency. Pequency? Pequency. What's the pequency, Kenneth? What's the pequency, Kenneth? But it has a kind of point blank pequency that has gradually seeped out of American comedies, which now are mostly going for broad topical gags that rarely venture into the relatable shadows of human behavior. Mm. Whoa, mm. someone got a little purple prosy, but okay. Oh! No, no goody coots! <laughs> goody coots! <laughs> what a break goody for us. Coons. This is fantastic. Okay. This was December 15th, 11 years ago, 2011. Bill Goody Coons said, Reitman makes bold choices with the story. Not all are fun to watch in the moment, but they add up to a satisfying portrait of a woman off the rails. Someone we can laugh at even when we're horrified. Four out of five stars from Goody Coons. Okay, Bill. I dig it. Good to have you, Bill. Good old Goody Coons. Well done. It says a lot about, I thought, you know, I would have thought Goody Coons would not like Mm -hmm. a film like this. So I guess we're learning more about Bill Goody Coons. Yeah, every day. uh, Every, yes, every day. Peeling back the layers of Goody Coons. Uh, believe it or not, Roger Ebert was still alive for this. Uh, oh, Roger wow. said, yeah, this is like one of 2013, I think he died. Uh, as, I as, as I absorbed it, I realized what a fearless character study it is. That sometimes it's funny doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, sure. it's, a, it's a dramedy. It's a black comedy, right? It's not trying to be funny the whole time by any means but it's not trying to be overly serious necessarily sardonic sardonic Uh, i like that yeah yeah it's sardonic (laughs) don't you think Uh, okay yeah yeah maybe a little too sardonic sardonic. (laughs) Uh, okay so this woman is deplorable right she's what she's in the basket (laughs) she's in the basket that's yeah i mean that's that's the thing about her she starts off as Maybe one of five the five worst human beings on the planet, probably, right? So, yeah. Well, I mean, it could be worse, way worse. I mean, her biggest crimes is like she's just kind of oh, lazy. Sure. She's yeah. depressed. She's uh, not fucking pull pot here. I mean, she's, she's, she's just be a murderer, addicted probably. to Diet Coke and reality television. Yeah, yeah she's, she's bangs, she, she leaves a guy in her bed. I mean, that's so, she also you know, zips done, that so. dog bag all the way up. Not even a little yeah. breathing they room. Gave me, they gave me a little bit of uh, anxiety, right? It's she, constant yeah. abuse yeah. of the dog. She neglects yeah, the dog from the start. The dog clearly pisses and shits on the balcony the same place it gets its food a lot she, of problems she doesn't even say goodbye to it when she leaves uh i, I read an interesting uh, article from uh, reitman talking about why he chose a pomeranian to be her dog and he said it was because it smiled all the time pomeranians cannot help but smile and she would take a dog that would always smile at her no matter what she did to it which i thought was uh, makes sense. interesting that is yeah, yeah that's fantastic and it's, yeah. piece of information there not a good way to like i mean the film's clearly not interested in building empathy towards this character and watching <laughs> her r- routinely uh, uh neglect this dog it does not help in that project <laughs> right and that's one of the things i loved about the movie on in the original viewing is that uh you start with a character that's terrible and she doesn't get better <laughs> like i mean that's she gets, worse. Of, she gets worse. She gets worse. That's kind of almost revolutionary in its simplicity, where it's just like, yeah, no, she's she doesn't get there's there's no redemption, right? So no. her epiphany is that she after after all of this that she's been through is truly better than everyone else in her own mind. Right. Remember, and she gets that from outward validation, right? Like yeah. it's it's not even yeah. something that comes from the inside. Like she she almost has that moment. I mean, I guess we're getting to the end here, but. Yeah, Prom queen bitch. 
yeah, she gets like outward valid where it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm better than you or everybody else. Remember an adaptation when the character Charlie Kaufman goes to the writing seminar and he's talking about like, why can't we just make a movie with people that, you know, they, they don't learn anything and they're just, you know, and everyone's like, because it's making a fucking shitty movie. Um, that, that's, it, does, it did kind of make me think of that. Like, this is, a, this is a character, it's a bold move. You have a character that like starts in the bottom and almost like gets to this point at the very end we're, we are getting into the end early but like i mean like she gets to this point where she clearly has she's on the cusp of an epiphany and actually moving forward with her life and then just finds the the slightest reason uh to to backtrack and backpedal and be like yeah yeah my way is the best way and no you're good here <laughs> yeah <laughs> here. crushing crushing oh man but, okay so but i was okay so this that's why it was a slog for me originally. It's like, why do I want to sit through this woman? It's not because she's a woman. It's not because she's a bitch. It's just because it's unbearably kind of bland, too. Like, Pat Oswald shows up. I remember my original viewing. I'm trying to think of that. Because I knew I had to watch this whole thing, so I wasn't going to turn it off. That was part of the reason why I was able to get through it. Because back then, I'm just like, why am I watching this movie? I'm not laughing. I don't find her uh, musings or her brief narrations, which basically shadow for her own life uh, as clever or interesting. And 30, 35 minutes in, in my original view, I just like, why am I watching this? Because I'm not having fun. I'm not scared. I don't feel anything in particular except like, maybe I'd like to go elsewhere right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I also, I also love the fact that uh, like she, uh, it opens up and she has quote unquote made it, but she right. lives in, Minneapolis. <laughs> like, I mean, it looks yeah. like a train yard. Yeah. That's her backyard, you know? Like like she's on the balcony, like her nice condo, but the view is shitty because it's Minneapolis. And anybody listening from Minneapolis, I I apologize, but your city sucks. But anyway. Um but that's it's like true. Minneapolis. She starts, off, she starts like she made it. Like her town like the people in the town think like you made it. You made it to Minneapolis, but it's like it still sucks, right? So I mean it's <laughs> right. I mean, the allure how, of the 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 allure of the big city, like everyone can yeah, can relate she, to that. She's like, not in New York City. She's not in Los Angeles. She's not. It's you know, kind of a bizarre choice. I mean, it has Prince, I guess, but it's you know, other than that. <laughs> oh, it, come on now! It doesn't seem totally 2011 to me for people to be impressed by someone get making it all the way to Minneapolis. It's just um, yeah. Uh, I could see that maybe in an older picture, but it didn't. That didn't quite line up for me, although it was funny. It was That's funny. An interesting point. Maybe uh, the teenage fan club gave it away. That uh, was where Diablo Cody was coming club. from. So. Yes. I'm talk about teenage fan club. <laughs> I listened to I listened to the concept like 500 times a day. Uh, but that like coming from a small town that uh, like that allure of the big city. Like I remember, and this was just when I I was like 34, and I thought moving to Chicago would be like this huge thing where I finally made it, and it turns out I was just paying astronomical rent, and I wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> where's um, luke at hey <laughs> um yeah getting no but getting back to the concept and teenage fan club i i sure. that is one of my favorite things about the movie and i've gone on record before saying that sometimes uh really indie and alternative soundtracks i find distracting like is the the bar woody's actually in 1994 in this film <laughs> but <laughs> the, the song the concept i think is used brilliantly here because the song itself is a great and poppy song and 
you see like she starts the she starts the thing and, and the movie starts and we we get that opening over and over and over again she's clearly hitting rewind and listening to the song over and over and yeah. over again but i don't think she's listening to the song all the way through because we don't actually hear that fantastic halftime two minute breakdown outro until we see her the uh, um, buddy's wife's band you know nipple confusion until they're playing it it's only <laughs> then that we get it and also bandwagon ask is a fucking great album and it's she's got this mixtape from when she was a kid so she doesn't actually like this song she doesn't like teenage fan club she just likes this like she likes everything just on the surface so i thought it really did a good job of like showing her showing how this character could think that she cares and likes about something but in fact has no real interest in it and understanding it and digging any deeper to it. It's just like, oh, this is blank. I I feel this way now. She thinks he likes yeah. it too. That's part of that's I mean, of and that's yeah. also right. like he's not that attached to it. Again, as part of her yeah. surface level understanding of it. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't he probably hasn't heard listened to that song in like, you know, ten years, right? So Yeah. Well uh, uh, what are those uh what are those things called? The shiny apple? What is it called? The woody the beers that he oh, oh, hard, he's, what the hungry hungry jack. What the Thank you. Hard Jack. <laughs> Just a fun drink for the movie. That's all it is. It's basically a woodchuck um, cider. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the woman's... Or cedar. It, 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 for me, man, it's kind of like Taxi Driver meets My Best Friend's Wedding. Like, let's not forget, this woman is like, she's delusional. <laughs> That's a hell of a picture, like, I mean, think about it. She's a delusional, disturbed woman uh, going through a serious midlife crisis at 37. Um the humor comes out of the scenarios and stuff. I I'm laughing throughout it. Uh, I don't know about you guys, man, but uh, I think some of these situations are are humor. The black comedy works for me. I guess I'll say that. Um, and we talked black about comedy. this whole like you don't have to like the character; you can fucking despise the character uh, and still be entertained. But I'm wondering, like, when when are you out? Like, are you immediately like not gonna let yourself? give a fuck about this character after like those first five minutes or does it take a while for you to be like confirm your hatred so, for Mavis <laughs> so that's the thing right like uh that's why the first viewing so for me it was like uh kind of like a, a great experience right because you're the, the movie's projecting her to have a certain arc right but she's not getting better <laughs> throughout the entire film and she's right. getting worse and worse and then you know of course you have the the, the dust up that happens at the the naming ceremony right like the, the very cringe <laughs> naming ceremony. Yes. And uh, that moment you're like, oh, okay, like she, that's it. Like she's going to be, so you're kind of sort of, you're not necessarily polling for her, but you know, but by that time you're like, okay, this is rock bottom. And then she's going to change. Then she has that tender moment with Matt. And, uh, but then of course we know what happens after that. So, so. Yeah. I think that so the movie even... almost tricks you in a way. Yeah, it's it's leading you up to like follow. It's going to follow a certain path, and then it does it. But as as I already alluded to, when she gets up in the morning and goes to talk to Matt's sister, um, that's when she, you know, the epiphany is undone. But it might even be undone before that because there's this bookending thing in the movie where she starts with a good guy who wants to be a teacher, and she's like, Ugh, yikes!" But he sleeps with her anyway, and when she wakes up with him in her bed, she like you know, pulls herself out from under his arm and leaves him there, which, and at the end of the movie, here she is with another man. She pulls himself herself out from under the arm and leaves him right. there. She was going to leave him there either way. There was yep. not, that was not going to blossom into some sort of love or, or even real friendship. She was 100% using him the whole time. Right. That's what she does. Yeah. And she's, yeah. you know, this, a uh, really 
great effort on the movie to fool me, you know, with, so when she goes, they see nipple confusion that night and she tries to get him all shit face <laughs> and she does. And she technically kisses him and he's, he's involved, but the babysitter breaks it up and she's so pissed. The babysitter ruined it, which was very frustrating for her. But then he calls her up. He's like, yeah, come to the naming ceremony. Now he, when he sobered mm -hmm. up, he would have been no way in hell he would have called her up. But they, yeah, So right. I was pissed about that. But then so, they got me back by showing later on that it was this woman who actually wasn't jealous of her at all, actually felt terrible for her, and was empathetic to her situation. The, the wife of Patrick Wilson's character, which I really dug as yeah. a writing concept for this film. I was like, that that is, that is well done. And... Mm -hmm. For this viewing, I'm glad I stuck around for that. No, it's very uh, it's, easy it's to have movie. the Beth character like immediately get on Patrick Wilson's case and like why is she yeah. here and all that. But yeah, it's it's something different. She never sees her as a threat. Well, that, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that is a good point. She she's like she feels sorry for it. She tells it to her face. Yeah, yeah, we we feel sorry for you. And we <laughs> see the movie from her uh, from Mavis's point of view, right? Right. That's fair. So, yeah, she's like it, the she's trying to make this. Yeah. Like this is a instable marriage. She's and, you know, constantly trying to sell that lie, which uh, what's his face? Matt Lafleur, whatever his Matt, name was, Matt, yeah. some, Matt Hoffauer, uh, Hoffbrow. I don't remember what his last name remember. was, but Matt's is always Ruff telling her, like, stop hey, doing this. Guy. This hey, is a good, decent human being. Don't ruin his life. That is the only time we get the truth. And you never really know what that is until the final showdown where she's clearly an alcoholic, by the way, and slams liquor vehemently and quickly and then gets it all spilled on her. Wonderful. Which, you know, she, she's also, she tries, to, sorry, she tries to tell her family that she is an alcoholic, right. the family that she you yeah. know, doesn't even tell she's coming into town. Uh, and and they just blow it off. And you do get a lot there. I, I think it's really fascinating. One of the things that I didn't know it's the first time I saw it is that when she walks in the house after, after her mother like drives her there, her father gives her a one armed hug and keeps one hand in his pocket. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, hey, like okay. <laughs> like oh, we used to work together or something like that. You know, like um, right. so she definitely it, it, there's a lot happening with her. The family marriage and, picture. And, I mean, right. yeah, the marriage. You're right. divorced. Right fucking weird by the way yeah so her parents are doing a, a shit too. job <laughs> and I, they, one of my favorite lines in the movie is uttered by the mom when she's like well the wedding wasn't a failure you remember the tiramisu and I, yeah i, I was, I, I was <laughs> that's like, funny that's, that that's was pretty funny. goddamn funny there's these funny. like bizarre underwritten opportunities to make you sympathize with mavis the uh whole like trichotomania thing i don't think is handled very well especially in in lieu with this character who's pulling hair because of probably boredom and fatigue and frustration Anxiety. Um, yeah um there's also a scene which kind of struck me personally the fact that mavis has suffered miscarriage with mm -hmm. buddy nonetheless um I have a history in that, and that turned me, not to not to be too MI, into a very bitter, depressed person for many years. It changed me. Uh, it made me despise babies in commercials. It made me despise my friends that were having children. And for Mavis to be so close to the edge and then have this red liquid poured all over her body, 
there is some symbolism there that I think could cause that reaction that was very subtle, but also kind of alarming for me narratively. I think they could have wrote a little more into that to give the audience something to feed off of uh, instead of just this anger at Mavis. Yeah. And she yeah, was drunk I, in that scene too. Yeah. And she'd just been rejected uh, finally yeah. by, um, by Buddy Slade, which is such a fucking name. But yeah, I think, you, I think you make, I think you make good points there that there is sympathetic qualities to the character that are deliberately underplayed by the director. Uh, and writer that that we're 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 supposed to kind of we have to kind of you know um lean into our empathy for her but she makes it hard because i mean just everything she does i mean like take her treatment towards matt she wants to drink all of his special liquor and give him shit when he tries to protect it she you know she gives him like she he, he tells her this real truth about like Hey, you know, here's um, some things you should hear, and she, you know, fights back with like, "Oh, you're living in the past," and like, and you know, like, right. his life was was not ruined, but I mean, his his body forever was forever altered, for, forever altered by this yeah. experience. Like he he, it makes sense for him to have arrested development, and it does for her too because they both had trauma and they both seem to freeze in those moments. But so she they recognizes have a, his trauma and that's his the vulnerability. Difference. That's the difference. He does call her a slut, which is fucking stupid. But she also takes him back to the same woods where he was beaten. So that's not really a cool idea. Oh God, that's yeah. awful. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Wanna, yeah. Let's give a credit to uh, even if you didn't like Juno. Uh, what Diablo Cody does and what she represents in the game is a different voice, and really because she's a woman, frankly. Uh, and there's not enough female voices that get to write scripts like this. I mean, she she takes advantage of the opportunities. If you ever saw Tully, which was another one she wrote a few mm -hmm. years later, mm -hmm. also underrated. starting. It is yeah, underrated. I, I actually I actually enjoyed Tully a lot more, mm -hmm. which is so. I just it was it helped me realize that about what she's for, doing. It's, it's still the last 15 minutes for me for Tully, but yeah, that movie is uh, Charlie's man. It's Fantastic. that's a performance, man. But what, what Diablo Cody does, she's, yeah, Jennifer's body. She is a voice that needs to be more commonplace, frankly, in the business, which maybe that's happening now. Maybe it's not. I, I don't uh, know for sure. But I do want to give her credit because I feel like she gets, at least in pop culture, I've seen a lot of reference to her that are, like, shitty and unnecessary at times. And, yeah, I agree. Uh, oh, not I don't, for sure. Yeah, I don't, that's not. I, think Juno's I don't like that. But, I mean. Juno, right. oh, sure. Because she's a terrible writer. You know, it's just, it's, I think, the movie in general. Right? Yeah, it's just, it's just the way the Academy Awards cycle works. They yeah. overly lunge on top of certain films, and that kind of can engender some, you know, some cynical responses. Like when you tell me over and over again that my life will be changed by Top Gun Maverick, it makes me not want to see Top Gun <laughs> Maverick. <laughs> that is a good one. Well said. Um, feel the need, Travis. You feel the need. Man. That's right. Uh, can I ask you something? Is uh, Jason Reitman a good director? He's a capable director. I don't know. He's a capable director. Uh, okay. He's not one of my favorites We're, or anything. I, this is a no-brainer for me. He's fantastic. Uh, and one of my favorite things about him is he does he does so much with not a lot of dialogue. He does a lot of showing to get you in, into characters and the story mm -hmm. in general. He does like first, the first act for me. Is is of this is particularly fantastic in that respect. We learn a lot from these characters by just what they yeah. do. 
I'll give it to you. Tully, too, as well. The first, like, 10 minutes, I don't think uh, Charlie Snaren speaks one word. Couldn't that be Diablo Cody's doing, though, in both of these cases? Oh, well, yeah, it's true, too, as well. Could be, right? I think right. writing yeah. and directing, too, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of synonymous, right? It takes a director to film the script appropriately. I mean, it takes a He's cinematographer. He's got his dad's last to... name, so. <laughs> so, so you, just... let, me get, let me ask you, Eric. You, it's a tone you, thing. So it's a... Ghostbusters Afterlife, was that a... Um... I didn't see it. I have almost zero interest. <laughs> so when you made this promise to yourself to see all of Jason Reitman's <laughs> movies, haven't theaters. seen one since up in the air. <laughs> That's funny. These well, are what I'll, your I'll promises you are worth. Much. I can tell you that, Eric. Um, you, you are not missing much when it comes to Ghostbusters Afterlife. But, yeah. Is he a good director? Oh. I, I think he's... Uh, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I really don't know. The best thing about this I, I just movie, look at it. Uh, oh, thank you for smoking. I really like that. He oh, that. yeah. Thank you for smoking. is great. Yeah. For me, the best thing about this movie was, I mean, in terms of quality, is hands down Charlize Theron's performance. Mm. I mean, she. I, I buy this character in every way. Uh, she, she, she sells it to me. And I, it's very convincing, as, as she always is. I mean, she's one of the better actors working. Sure. And uh, she's fantastic in this. Yeah, I will watch anything. Okay. Even the old guy. I had a I couple it. thoughts about yeah, I like that. that, too. I fucking loved it. Can't wait for the sequel. Eon Flux? <laughs> I think you got that one. I haven't caught that one. Not terrible. Okay. So, not good. But not uh, <laughs> I, I like the cartoon too much to... Yeah, yeah, I don't so that, yeah it's fine. Who cares? Shout I actually thought about... Furiosa. Shout out to Liquid Television, of course. I thought about her beauty, which is undeniable. Charlize Theron is a beautiful woman. She is. Yeah. She always was, but and she's an Academy Award-winning actress. That is also true. And I thought about that for this role. I just have thought, and it did come up in my mind while I was watching this movie. They're like, maybe someone else could have been better fit for this role. I'm not pissed about it. I'm not going to argue it really. I just just came across in my mind. I know that she's supposed to be. Someone who relied on her physical beauty, though, to get to where or to be who she is. So that's key part of the film. And maybe I didn't really catch on to that until that certain point in a film when I had that thought prior. But uh, it just crossed my mind. Are, are we are we talking about cross anybody else's circa 2011? Or are we trying to figure out who that would be? Or are you just saying somebody else? Be I don't even know who it would be. I don't even, I don't even have replacements for you. It just crossed my mind, so I wanted to put it out there in the ether. Well, do you think? All. Do you think the character of Mavis should have also maybe, as uh, you know, Matt's sister so eloquently put it, you know, got fat and dumb? Like, should she have physically changed after all this time, or should should is it the right call to make her still, you know, drop dead gorgeous and a success? I think it makes perfect sense to have her still be very focused on her looks and stuff. I mean, she is. I mean, this movie's a send-up of reality television in some ways. It, 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 it's constantly in the <laughs> background for her life, and it's like she, she, she sleeps with it. She, you know, and like the Diet Coke, she wakes up before she even opens her eyes. She's drinking Diet Coke. <laughs> uh, there is certainly like there's some sort of comment being made about uh, obsessing over appearance and appearances, um, and not quite, you know, connecting to the growth that age should bring you. So I, I think it makes sense that she would still be really hung up on her beauty because they, what else is she do been make doing? A, been developing her personality and her, and her, and her ethics. And, and they do make a reference to that when uh, Patrick Wilson's character, Buddy, 
when he's like, you know something, you look the exact same. We've all changed, but you look the exact same. You got lucky yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he does say that. And by the way, uh, Patrick Wilson, perfect for this role. He's just oh, so God, ideal yeah. Yeah. as this guy who may have been a little bit of a, you know, everybody's reckless, a little bit of wild mm-hmm. in their early days, and then he settled into his life as a simple man who doesn't get to sleep much. He's a zombie. Oh, yeah. man, he doesn't get to sleep because <laughs> uh, he's such a good dad. He buys a drum club. set for his wife. Yeah. yeah. You, maybe he and could you, have been a little more slubby. Yeah, maybe, but... Uh, and you don't doubt it. Like, the, you, once you know it's Patrick Wilson playing this role, you, you don't think that he's going to, like, go sleep with Mavis or anything. You kind of uh, buy yeah. into the fact that he's over all of this. I think that... He um, does kiss her, though. He does kiss yeah. her, but she but he's wasted drunk, and she really forces it on him. But you're right. You're right. But I think that we're shown, again, shown, not told, um, that he's never going to really take this seriously because when we're introduced to him... What is he doing while he's talking to her on the phone? He's handling his <laughs> wife's breast milk and like storing yeah. it. Like yeah, he's man. that's yeah, the picture, zone he's his in. His face is out of the the shot too, it's right? Which like is the really very intentional, <laughs> very intentional. Yeah. So like this guy's about his family. He's not even like he's literally this oblivious schlub. Like he doesn't like oh he doesn't think <laughs> oh my ex wife is gonna try or my ex girlfriend's gonna try and steal me back. He's like eh, you know I'm, you know she's a good person. Good people don't try and steal people away. Yada yada. I know several of these guys in real life. I do. And this is oh, spot Jesus. on. Well done. Kudos we to the go. movie on making this ideal. No, I do. I mean, people I graduated with, not not you, not nobody on this screen. It just <laughs> when he suggested and... 6.30 for when they hook up, I was like, yeah, I, I can totally see that. I'm in bed at 8.30. Kidding and me Buffalo right Wild now? Wings, basically. Yeah. yeah. Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. Beat off at 6 Champion. on a fucking yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. She's all O'Malley. dressed up. Beat off O'Malley's. Yeah, yeah. you don't, don't want to be able to beat up at 6 on a Wednesday. One of the things I really like about the film, and there's a lot, is that it doesn't really take a side on which is, like, quote-unquote better suburbia or, like, the big city and, like, Bright Likes Big City, for lack of, like, a better term. Uh, It has good things to say about both. Maybe even more negative things to say about, you know... um, Minneapolis urban environment, the, mini, Minneapolis. the Minneapolis, but it'd be very easy to, to really drive home this uh, Hicksville sort of stuff that they, they flirt with. Yeah, it laughs in the face of people who are like, oh, I got out. I mean, that's it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's laughing like in that face. Postmodern yeah. libertarianism in an interesting way for 2011, I mean, nonetheless. Modern yeah, um, the uh, character is she's constantly like comparing herself and being like oh i'm doing so much better than them and i'm doing this and i'm doing that and the reality is everybody's doing fucking great that stayed home right. everybody everybody that stayed back is doing pretty okay she's yeah, the fine. one who's lost in the wilderness so she's lost but she's also collapsing because her book is ending which yeah, they don't make true. clear either too like you find that out in the movie but it's not obvious i also like that as a writing effort to not just throw it in your face it's something that you have to kind of pick up on when she has that episode yeah. in the the yeah, bookstore for that guy. She's not, the, she's not the author too, as well. She's the ghostwriter. Right. Yeah. That's, yes. You know. And when she goes yeah. home, and you get a look at the way she was brought up and her parents, she basically, in an effective, honest moment, tells them that she's worried about her alcoholism, and they just brush it off like they don't give a fuck. Right. Oh. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> It's funny how dated it is. Even for 2011, we got Blackberries cassette decks in cars. Your car doesn't that's play bullshit. a cassette that's nowadays. That's fucking bullshit. I, yeah, I made a note too. Like 2011. Yeah, what year did this car Printers? come out? Printers? What the fuck on, is dude. a printer? 
good. Well, printers, well, she, maybe, but the cassette tape, no. <laughs> Home printer. <laughs> and she is kind of stuck in the past. Um, yeah, and also a lot of the language is like, oof, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I guess 2011, we're still saying that. But again, it makes sense yeah. for the characters. They're, they are mm. stuck in the past and using language uh, from the 90s. Uh, from the 90s. But that, you asked earlier in the film, Eric, like, when is it that you are, like, no longer with her? And when, yeah. she, and when she recognizes Matt by his, his crutch and calls him the hate crime kid and he explains yeah i was mistake i'm like he's basically gay bashed even though he's not gay and she's like oh yeah the hate crime kid it's like that that's when she lost me pretty much right there i'm like yeah you have zero empathy whatsoever kind of hard to be on board with you she doesn't know how to show it at least yeah hmm. i mean she has empathy for herself in her own situation she's got a lot of empathy empathy for herself that's the yes, thing. Yes. Like, she, like no she doesn't learn a lot like from the movie, but like <laughs> I, I do learn a lot about kind of life at forty by watching this, even though she doesn't. So I think there's some value there. Sure. Yeah, how not to be for sure. Yeah, um, but she's like the extreme example of that. Right? Where, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's a very extreme example of what not to be when you get to forty or thirty-five or whatever. Guys, ready to break this down? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so. Anything else? We're almost hour half in. Uh, I thought we'd go a little bit longer since we kind of got into some other stuff first, but uh, we have kind of covered most of the main points. I feel like. How's your dick? How's your dick? <laughs> Not good is the answer. Uh, <laughs> that's solid exchange. Not good. Solid exchange. Yeah. Oh boy! Yeah. Um, also sad. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go because I I do like the I do like the film quite a bit. I've seen it like three or four times. I just I don't know, man. The I don't have to like the character to be enjoying what this story is, uh, which is a story about someone with a very intense emotional. Problem. I give props to Diablo Cotto, Cody for writing a female character that is not very, very far from perfect without having her change at the end. I mean, you don't see a lot of that in 2011. Uh, and it's played beautifully by Charlize Theron. And I think the film gives you a, a really good lesson that she doesn't learn that I learned, that it's, it's difficult for a lot of people to be happy just based on their nature. My therapist tells me to jot down five things that I should be happy for every night, even if they're the same things every night. And it helps me. It helps me not take my life for granted. Mavis absolutely takes what she has for granted. And, and, and I can learn a lot from someone like that who is very nostalgic like I am, very sentimental like I am. Uh, you know, is this Homewrecker the movie? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think there's a dark humor that worked for me, and I think it's shot well, soundtrack kicks ass, replacements, Dinosaur Jr. And, and I have fun with it. I like it as a character piece. I think it holds up. Oh. 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 <laughs> uh, anybody else feeling motivated? I'll go. There he goes. Um, remember those Memorex cassette tapes, those yellow and clear and pink and blue things? And remember seeing that in the movie and being like, fuck yeah. 
yeah, I remember those. And you get a lot of those kind of moments. So, oh, yeah, Deaths of the Pixies. I like that shirt. Oh, no effects. I like that shirt, too. Oh, another shirt I like. Oh, another sticker I like. Oh, another poster I like. So on one hand, the movie's trying to tell us something about like how these people are stuck in the past and how that's like not serving their present. On the other hand, I do think the movie leans pretty hard on nostalgia in some ways that are ways that should appeal to me more because it's like that's my jam that's all like my era 93 94 i eat that shit up with a spoon but uh, it it um if you take a lot of that stuff out you take out teenage fan club what do you have here i don't know um you have a you have a really bitty, bitter character which i agree we've talked about this on the film before it you don't have to like the character you you don't have to enjoy spending time with that character but if you actively dislike spending that hour and 40 with the character that's not really something you want to revisit i watched this movie in 2011 and then i watched it again last night with a paper and pen and i i certainly saw things i didn't see before because i was Mm. being extra attentive but overall i didn't get anything from the second viewing that i didn't get now is there value here as you said eric i absolutely think that there is i mean if the question is should i ever see this movie or not then yes you should see this movie because it's worth watching but does it hold up uh, i when, the, when i turned it off i said well that was fucking terrible and that was uh I didn't, that was how i felt about it so no it doesn't hold up for me <laughs> okay um yeah so when i picked this movie i told you guys that uh when i saw it the first time um, that I thought it was the best of for the people that were involved, uh, definitely. Um, two out of the three things I don't think anymore. I don't think it's Raven's best film. I don't think it's Theron's uh, best performance. I still think it's Cody's best script, um, but I think it's more for her writing as in terms of what she was trying to do with this character, right? Um, I still love the ending. I still love the fact that uh, that Maeve does not learn a goddamn thing and that she just she just turns it off. She's just like, you know what? No, I'm better than everybody. And she just keeps on going um, in her broke up Mini Cooper <clears throat> outside of a diner outside of Minneapolis. Um, <laughs> but to get to that point, watching this movie was kind of a slog the second time around where it was just like, oh, she's a terrible dog owner. Oh, she's... Yep. And, and some of the dialogue, too, as well. Some of the jokes I laughed at, or at least I remembered laughing at the last time, I didn't laugh at this time around. And um, I don't think it has to do with the writing. I just think it has to do with the things that Travis is saying as far as, like, the character goes. Like, you don't like this character. And I, I think I I think I think liked that aspect in 2011 because I, I thought that was, oh, that's, that's revolutionary. You have a character that's terrible, that doesn't learn anything, and that's great. But it didn't work for me this time around. Uh, although I still love that ending, though. I still love the fact that the main character does not learn anything. Um, but for me, it still holds up but by a very thin thread, just based on the ending alone of being like, nope, she didn't learn anything. Just pull the rug from under you as a viewer, and you're like, oh, shit. All right. Well, it still, it still surprised me this time around, the ending. And, uh, and I still loved it. So, But it's very, like, the to get to that point, though, is like, I don't know, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Your turn, bud. Yeah. <laughs> well, geez. Algae. Um, algae. Red mm. or green or blue? What do you the prefer? The bloom? Can algae bloom? I, 
feel algae chat. Algae <laughs> talk. Algiers. Algiers is beautiful Al- this time of year. Al Jolson. Yeah. Uh, Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera. Historical. Al Ribera. Okay, so this is a film. Yes. And this is a film. I remember. I re- I just remembered how I felt last night. I forgot this till now. Till you were talking, <laughs> Brian. You reminded me that I was like. I was really internally super anxious by the time he had dragged her back to the house after they left and they stayed out to party. The wife and the band stayed out to party. And I was like, is this really going to happen? Is she really going to make this happen? This is awful. It was like so awful. I couldn't (laughs) believe how awful I felt inside. Like I want to turn it off. Like I want to pause this. I want to get away from this. I don't want to feel this right now. This is terrible. She's so awful to, and this, uh, don't do this. And yeah, that's not a good feeling. It doesn't feel like a feeling I'd like to revisit, I suppose. Um, and when you think about it in those terms, which I have, and everything else you guys already said, uh, it just doesn't feel like a repeat viewing. I love her performance. Uh, of course, I love how the, the writing in this is outstanding and the concepts and how everything is not force fed to you. That is stellar. That really is really well done. But as a viewing experience, and if someone just said, hey, does that young adult movie hold up? Should I sit down and watch that? I'd be like, "Uh, I mean, there's a lot of other options in life that you could throw on. So I would say. Have you seen Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, right. I'd be like, there's a smooth movie out starring Tom Cruise, apparently. It's getting a lot of buzz. So it it doesn't hold up for me. And I will say, though, I. I took the whole movie oh, in this time. Terrible. As opposed that to last time. So. No. Yeah. You were saying? Uh, are you guys talking about they're talking about Top Gun? So. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. Right, it doesn't hold sorry. up for sorry, me. Sorry, I made sorry. that joke. Sorry. Brian, it doesn't work for me, but it, I still love you. You're still a fine American human being. A fine young adult. Yeah. <laughs> You're a fine young adult. All right. Are young adult? Young or when do we no longer young adults? Are we, you know? I don't know. Is that, we're yeah. just adults, I think. I think that's, I think that's, so, a, that's the question this movie asks, I think. When you're no longer At reading young point, adult fiction. Maybe when you learn how to oh. take care of a goddamn dog. How about that? Yeah. When you don't belittle a... Keep us in suspense. For giving you silverware or something. I bet he... <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. Uh, Brian Madison is chosen young adult. It didn't hold up, but that's okay. Ooh, wow. Brian can take it. He doesn't take it personally. And, draw. Uh, he's going to go draw. on with his life. It was a draw. Two to two. Oh, it felt like it didn't hold up. It was a two to two draw. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the draw. It was that's close. just me. I'm writing. Positive draw. See, I'm the unreliable narrator. I'm just like Mavis. You know, I'm just, hey, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Power my moon and my okay. stars and my galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next week, uh, it'll go back to the beginning. Travis Roy will select a film. Travis Roy. You want me to go back you to the you beginning? It before we went on the um, air. Yeah, uh, I really struggled with this one this week. I, 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 I think I basically considered every movie. Um, I just couldn't really <laughs> land on anything. But I, but I kept on kept wow, thinking, like, dude. Yeah, uh, I kept on thinking I should probably pick, you know, a Ray Liotta movie, which I didn't. We're not doing a Ray oh, Liotta movie. Oh, we didn't sorry. talk about Ray Liotta. I know. Exactly. Well, we should, people. though, but because yeah. this great legendary actor has yeah. passed. But that said, I just there wasn't anything I really wanted to revisit. I looked at its Operation Dumbo Drop didn't cross your mind? <laughs> <laughs> we well, already did uh, Killing Them Softly. 
Yeah, which is probably my favorite performance is a performance of his right there. And I thought about That's even just one. fucking going for it and doing Goodfellas, but I just, I just uh, <laughs> maybe another time. Uh, what we're going to do instead is we're going to look at a director that we have not looked at yet, uh, a, a very famous man by the name of Terry Gilliam. Oh, we're going shit. back to 1981. Wow. Time Bandits. Oh, man. No, not Brazil. Time Bandits. Time Bandits. We're doing Time, Time Bandits. bandits. Fuck it. Time Bandits. Yeah. Time Bandits. <laughs> one of your favorites as a kid? Yeah, I liked it a lot oh, as a yeah, kid, man. too. And I have not seen it since I was a kid. I haven't seen it in 20 years, I think. At least. Yeah, at Time least bandits. for me, too. Fucking Time Bandits. I don't believe Let's I've do ever it. seen it. So, All right. Well, it's a good one. You're, Strap you're, in. You're, you're not. Yeah, we'll see how you feel if you don't have nostalgia Maybe. for it. <laughs> yeah. If you've never seen it, I love yeah, Terry Gilliam though. So, yeah. this is the one that really put him on the map. It wasn't Jab- Jabberwocky, that's for sure. I thought you were going to no. say Adventures well, uh, Baron Munchausen or something. I love it. I, I don't oh, need. God. I don't need to revisit that one because I fucking love that movie. And, and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Obviously, Monty Python put him on the map, but I mean, uh, <laughs> Time Travelers did kind of escalate him into like this next level of directors. I think so. We'll talk about that next week. Time yeah, that's awesome. what we will do. That's how the show usually works. We talk about whatever we decided we were going to talk about the week before. <laughs> that's how it works. Uh, yeah, we, <laughs> that how it works? You can, uh, yeah, that's basically how it works. You've heard the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make it happen. Make it so. Please, we really appreciate it. It's just a real quick thing you can do, and you can change the lives of three human beings. Also, we have a Patreon, which is live. It's in the show notes. You can find the link in the description. You can click on it. You can also find it which we'll have in our bios for the social media, which we probably need to do, which I don't know if we have done that. But we will, I promise. We swear it shall be done. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. But let's say goodbye to Brian, who came by, and he talked film with us, and he gave us the film that we talked about today. I think you should all know who Brian is. Brian knows film as well as any human being I've ever met in my life. Uh, He lives it, he breathes it, and he knows more about it than I do, frankly. And I admit that freely, so... Uh, Brian, anything you want to say as we say farewell to you? No, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. You know, this is this is always fun. I'm, I'm, I'm I was honored that you guys uh, invited me back for a second time around, and um, look forward to uh, more shows. I'm definitely going to be listening uh, next week. Time Bandits, it's going to be badass. Um, and um, I don't know, Warriors and Six. That's all I can say. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if the Celtics won. I agree. Yeah, Travis. Pizza, submarine sandwiches. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Madison, thank you so much for coming on, dude. Love you. Love having you on. It's really good to see you. I'd like to see you in the flesh again someday outside of this box on my. Uh, it's going to happen, you sexy bastard. It's gonna I hope so. I hope so. But thanks for coming on, man. In appreciation of Brian's appearance, I'm going to resurrect my Michael Keaton impression that made him laugh so many times. <laughs> in high school as this movie film centers on that. Here we go. <clears throat> All right, look. That's it. That's it. That was it. it. All right, look. And the finger look. wave and the head turn. Yeah, yeah, the finger wave. I don't remember the head oh, turn, but I do remember, I do remember the pointies. I do remember the, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that was good. Yeah, beautiful. Great way to end the show on. Thank you, Eric. And thank you to Brian. This is the Cinema 9 Podcast. We're saying so long for now. Taco Hut.